Well, our moms think we're funny. Hi, I'm Akomi. Hey, and this is Ricky Tiki Timbo, No Sir Rimbo, Chair Bear Ruchi, Pipper Pimbo. Our special guest on the show today. <laughs> you know that that old thing, right? No, that was totally new on me. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. so it's this thing, and it's probably going to be super racist, so maybe I should have said it like this, but I'm saying, that came across as like, really like I'm disguising my voice because I'm like held to my hostage. So, uh, and now I can't do it. <laughs> Maybe I should have said it like those. Uh, but uh, but no, it's this whole thing about uh, like why Chinese or Japanese people have short names or whatever. And it's this whole, I guess it's supposed to be like a like a parable or whatever. And it's this whole thing where like this kid, his name is Ricky Ticky Timbo, Nurse Rimbo, Cherry Berry Ruchi, Pepper Pimbo. He falls down the well, right? And his <laughs> and his like friend runs and tells somebody he's like. Ricky Tiki Timbo, No Sir Rimbo, Cherry Berry Ruchi, Pimbo Pimbo is falling down the well. And they're like, you know, what? And it's like, and it's like, oh, and so he has to say it. Anyway, by the time they get to the kid, he's drowned, right? Right, right. And it's like, and that's why they no longer have such long names. They have short names. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, and I don't remember if this is like the, like the seven Chinese brothers or whatever. You know that, right? Uh, yeah, it's been a long time. So I'd be really fuzzy on the details. So I actually want to get a copy of the book, um, but they redone it. And get, made it all fucking PC. And I swear, if I ever find the people that redid that and PC-fied that fucking book, I'm going to take their copy and jam it up their asses, right? Because they, they lost everything that was great about it. And I had to look harder and pay like twice as much um, to find the original Seven Chinese Brothers. Yeah. Which is basically like the one brother, um, he could like each one had their own unique gift. And the one could like swallow the sea or he could hold the sea in his, in his mouth. Nice. And he would go fishing. He would like suck up all the sea and then go and pick the fish up off the floor off the ocean floors they were like flopping around yeah right and then he would spit the water back out and then this kid wanted to go out there with him and everything is well it's dangerous to go but fine i'll take you but when i tell you it's time to go back in it's time to go back in so um they do that but he's like it's time to go back in i can't hold the water in my mouth any longer and the kid didn't want to go out he's like no no, no you got to go man and then he couldn't end up spitting the whole ocean back out and the kid drowned hmm. so then they wanted to find him responsible so then we're going to Basically execute him. Uh-huh. And, uh, and so they keep trying this so that we're going to, they're going to at one point like throw him over, over a boat and drown him, right? Yeah. So he gets his brother, because they're all like twins or I guess like septuplets, right? To take his place. Yeah. And his brother um, can make his legs extra long. So when they toss him on the side of the boat, he just makes his legs extra long and he doesn't go under the water so he doesn't drown. <laughs> so then they're like, well, you know, we're going to execute you. So then the next day they're going to like, you know, like um, burn him alive so he gets his brother to take his place who is fireproof and he just sits there and just like goes to sleep inside the fire and the <laughs> oven and everything he does and so that's how it goes until like get to the last one they still don't kill him like okay well we've tried all these different things in it so you must be innocent <laughs> that's it so it makes sense i guess so i'm not sure if ricky tiki timbo is actually one of those stories if it's just some racist thing i learned as a kid <laughs> that i don't know any better and I could look it up, but that just seems to kind of that requires the, effort. Yeah, fuck effort. <laughs> What's effort ever done for me? All right. So anyway, um, this was not about Chinese racism that I learned as a kid. This is supposed to be about what again? Uh, about our boy Nicolas Cage, one of my very favorite actors, and yes. yours too. <laughs> Oh, thank, so. thank, thank you for, for just saying it. And he's yours, too. <laughs> I, I know you have a very different relationship with Nick Cage than I do. but I enjoy Nicolas Cage. I just don't have the same, like, 
strong affinity for him that you do. <laughs> you know, as where I would like, hey, that Nick Cage movie looks kind of shitty. You're like, that movie looks awesome. And I'm like, I can't watch it. I've seen it five times already. I'm like, <laughs> I, th- I think when it comes, I think you feel about Nick Cage the way I feel about Ben Affleck. Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah, I think Nick Cage is a very misunderstood genius. I carry a white glove in my back pocket, so whenever somebody <laughs> says anything bad about Ben Affleck, I just like, I challenge you, sir, to a duel. <laughs> I say, I say. But <laughs> I mean, and I do have a deep love for Ben Affleck, but yeah, I think I think you would like definitely go to war for Ben Affleck. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, no, no, nobody goes deeper for Ben Affleck than me. I mean, I mean that sounded way more sexual than you meant it to. No, it didn't. Or did? <laughs> no, it didn't. I was actually going to add strong and deep in there too, but but you stopped me. <laughs> and hot and throbbing. Now that's just too far. <laughs> All right. So yes. Well, so it's a nice quiet evening. We've just started recording here at midnight. We've got some nice hard cider. And yeah, we uh, we've watched a couple of Nick Cage films this evening or uh, this weekend. We just finished watching Face Off, yes, which was phenomenal. And they actually not no spoiler, but they actually did take his face off. <laughs> yeah, and they said it a lot. Yeah, you want to take my face off? Yeah, it's great. And so yeah, that uh, that not only featured Nick Cage but also John Travolta and. John Travolta doing his best Nick Cage. Oh, yeah. And Nick Cage doing his best John Travolta. Really, really good film. I actually really enjoyed it. Well, you know, I dig it. And, uh, and of course, it's directed by John Woo, who I have a, a, a great love for. Oh, yeah. John um, Woo is the shit. So, yeah. Um, and then, of course, as uh, as I just made you watch the Lenny Kravitz Again video, <laughs> it stars the one, the only, the one of the sexiest women alive, in my opinion, Gina Gershon, who's oh, just yeah. so hot. And I just Jeez. love her mouth. Yeah, she's pretty great. Yeah. And then, of course, it also has, uh, in a small cameo, Lisa Boyle, who I talked about earlier, who, those of you who don't know her, um, she's a Playboy model, or was a Playboy model, not a Playboy playmate. There's a difference. Um, she never actually appeared as a in a centerfold or whatever, but she did model for them and different things like that. But you probably know her from uh, different roles she's played in like movies, like small cameo stuff. Like she's in Bad Boys in the beginning when they try to, uh, when they try to try take Mike. Lowry, Mike <laughs> Lowry's car, um, and the guy sends her in front of the car, and he's like titty titty strutty strutty, and they walk out in front of him, and then they try to jack him, and he's like, "You a big Popeye chicken eating motherfucker, ain't you?" So, um, <laughs> and Comey, of course, has not seen the movie, so you know, but uh, the, she's in that. There's a really, really, really good TNA movie she was in back in the late '90s that features her a lot which is really good but why can't we ever watch the really really good tna movies <laughs> why do we always watch the spy who sexed me <laughs> because those <laughs> those don't really aren't really worth making fun of because you're like yeah the plot sucks but like wow she's hot and then we don't say shit for like the next like you know like five minutes <laughs> it never goes well when we get those like awkward quiet moments during the tna scenes <laughs> And luckily, we did not have any of those no, during the Spy Who Sex. We were talking about the decor of the room, <laughs> <laughs> wow, which, which was one of the better things about the film, no, even though it was, it was missing a lot of stuff. <laughs> I'm just, I mean, those, those those rooms were really nice, but you know what? Well, we're, we're we're done talking about the spy who who didn't sex us and, and really didn't really sex very many people at all, to be perfectly honest. No, everybody else sexed everybody else, though. Yeah. 
Um, but um, but yeah, so Nick Cage, yeah, Lisa Boyle, Joan Allen, <laughs> who of course I also have a thing for. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't want you thinking, damn, you just fuck anything, right? And it's like that's not that's that's not that's not entirely true. Um, <laughs> but anyway, but yeah, so Face Off is good. And then before that, I introduced a Comey to one of my kind of guilty pleasure Nick Cage movies, which is not great, but I do enjoy it. Trapped in Paradise. Oh, Trapped in Paradise with John Lovitz and Dana Carvey. <laughs> Now, I do really like John Lovitz, uh, which, I mean, I've, I've seen him in a lot of movies growing up and can't really, like, can't really, like, remember most of them now. Hachimachi! <laughs> but uh, my first real exposure to John Lovitz was in the 2001 remake of Rat Race, and uh, but he's just, he's got a lot of really great scenes in there. Uh, Dana, Dana Carvey, this, this movie actually changed my opinion of Dana Carvey, because I was not a big fan before... This movie. <laughs> I am the master of disguise. Oh, <laughs> yeah, and that's that's a big reason why. Like that that was my generation's big exposure to Dana Carvey was Master of Disguise, which is an ass movie. It's just horrible. Well, see, that's because you never watched any of the Wayne's World movies. And that's true. Yeah, I still haven't seen those. And see, and of course, once you watch Wayne's World too, the scenes with him and Kim Basinger are great. <laughs> and just like you know, it's like it's like I'm gonna be frank. Can I still be Garth? <laughs> it's like, it's like, take me, Garth. Where I'm low on gas and you need a jacket. I mean, <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, so uh, so yeah. That that's that's a very fair observation. I I pass judgment on Dana Garvey without uh, without actually having seen Wayne's World, which is probably his like flagship title. Yeah, but yeah, uh, that's fair. But yeah, um. I think he had some really great lines in this film, some really good delivery. And he, he was still, you know, crazy, hyperactive, annoying guy, but it fit his character really well. Yeah, it, it was it was a very subdued version of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he 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 really does work his character very well. He provides a nice balance between Nick Cage and John Lovitz. Yeah, yeah, because Nick Cage is a a little crazy, but he's still kind of the straight man of the group. Yeah. And John Lovitz is like the manipulative asshole. Yeah. He's completely unlikable throughout oh, yeah. the entire movie. Yeah, he's he's very repellent to the entire film. And Dana Carvey is kind of uh kind of naive and innocent. Yeah. And it, it makes him an extremely appealing character in the face of like these these personality archetypes. And uh and uh, uh, we, I said yesterday is like I feel that Trapped in Paradise was the beginning of the Nick Cage, the freak out Nick Cage we see nowadays with like <laughs> yeah. the the wild like like you know facial expressions and stuff. Oh yeah, it started in there. And Trapped in Paradise has some really good scenes, which to me makes it worth watching at least once because some of those scenes to me are just memorable. The the bank robbery scene for one, oh, the bank robbery scene is great. Um and uh, and then some of the other stuff and the way he delivers lines, especially when they go like later on and it's like you know. When he and John Lovitz are fighting and they're playing, saying, like, "You just get this, this, and, oh, yeah. and then Dana Carvey's like, "Let's just go." <laughs> yeah, Dana Carvey's got a lot of really good moments in that. <laughs> Thank you for my vest and sweater. <laughs> <laughs> and when she's like, um, "It's like, give me back the pins." It says, "Take a pen." No, it just said, "Take a pen." She said, "Take a pen." When the sign said, "Take a pen." <laughs> 
it's because he's a kleptomaniac. For those of you who haven't seen it, he's a kleptomaniac, and he goes and he's stealing pins from the bank when they're casing the joint, and he's taking all the pins he sees. <laughs> and then when she like confronts him about it, he's like genuinely, genuinely befuddled as like, why do I have to give these back when they say take a pin? Because he's stealing, but at the same time, it doesn't really register to him that like that's wrong because it did tell him he could take one. Oh yeah, yeah, he had a total green light there. <laughs> So uh, yeah, and it, it's got it's got some really interesting characters like and the just, just the, following the directions. The directions said four <laughs> lefts. <laughs> you idiot! Four lefts is a circle. <laughs> oh, sorry, go ahead. So yeah, but uh, no, it's got it's got some really interesting characters. Like the townspeople are all very um, very friendly and very warm. You you do feel a special affinity for the townspeople a lot. They've got like the storekeepers and stuff who are. Just a couple of assholes, a couple of redneck assholes. For it to be in like what Connecticut or Vermont or something like that, I it's think like... it was Vermont, right? Oh no, it's it's Pennsylvania. It's Paradise, oh yeah, it's Pennsylvania. Paradise, Pennsylvania. Thank yeah. you. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, like the the character, the character personalities are super good. It, it meets it meets certain tropes, but you know, it's kind of impossible for it not to meet some trope at this point. So. Where are you going? Going to get your money. I'm robbing the bank, but the bank's across the street. <laughs> I love that she plays that role so well. She's she's so like genuinely frightened and jittery oh, yeah. and stuff. And then when she's like, I'm robbing the bank, she's like, I don't understand what's going on here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that side character was great. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I I think I think Nick Cage. Since since we're kind of talking about like Nick Cage in general, I I think. That he's just, like, really underrated and underappreciated, and people use him for meme fodder, which I totally understand, because he makes hilarious facial expressions. Then again, so does George Clooney. Really? Uh, yeah, but his is a little more, like, conscious, I guess. Like, George Clooney will make a face and be like, yeah, I'm intentionally, you know, making a goofy face. Okay, yeah, that's true. And, and like, I mean, there's, you know, there's one picture that I used for memes a lot when I was uh, a couple years younger. And he, it's, like, him adjusting his tie and he's just, like, raising one eyebrow and has this, like, this really crooked smile. <laughs> and it's hilarious. I love the picture. But, um... I love George Clooney when he, when he does that, that thing, that pause in movies when he's uh, kind of, like absorbing the the situation oh, and he's yeah. thinking about it he always has that thing where you can see on his face where he's like yes no what and those are some of my, my greatest like, like George Clooney expressions oh yeah yeah those are great but yeah you know like I mean yes Nick Cage definitely you know is goofy but I just I, I think that there's a certain brilliance to his to his over the topness that not a lot of actors can accomplish and you're not going to find a lot of actors who can freak out like he can. That is true. And that that makes him great in my mind. And I'm not going to pretend like, you know, I'm not going to look at something like Wicker Man and go, no, this is a good film. But I'm going to look at it and go, this is an incredibly enjoyable film. Because it's so goofy and so over the top. And Cage does it brilliantly. You know, I, I'll say a couple things about Nick Cage. Um, so as we were kind of going through, like, which Nick Cage movie were we going to watch yesterday, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and actually, I'm going to pull up some here so we can kind of go through them. We, we looked at quite a few and we're like, those all sound good. Well, yeah. you said those all sound good. <laughs> I was like, let's watch all of them. And I was like, some of those sound good. Um, uh, but as we, were, as we were going through and we were taking, taking a look at what was available... Um, 
you know, a couple things came up, and I said, okay, well, uh, let's talk about uh, I think Wild at Heart had shown up, right? Mm-hmm. And and I was like, oh, it's like yeah, Wild at Heart. Now I like Wild at Heart, um, and I kind of talked about that a little bit. And then of course we got movies like Leaving Las Vegas. You've got Raising Arizona. And as I kind of thought a little bit more about the movies Nick Cage has been in, the characters that he's played, um, I was starting to think it's like he has taken a lot of chances with his career that I think most people would have been a little too afraid to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so just kind of going through some of the characters that he's played, just to kind of kind of talk about like how he's I think been a lot more risky, which in the long run may have hurt him. Hold on just one minute. Sure. Sorry. No, that's that's okay. Mm. Okay. Uh, Gina Gershon. Yeah, Gina Gershon. <laughs> um, all right, sorry. <clears throat> so uh, he's he's been riskier with some of the roles than I think most people would because they do want to play play it a little safe. So yeah, yeah. So I'm just gonna just gonna point out some of these movies here. So you've got like a uh, uh, this one showing like Red Rock West, which if you're not familiar with Red Rock West, um, it's a movie with uh, him and Dennis Hopper. And uh, Laura Flynn Boyle, where he, I believe, was hired by Dennis Hopper to kill Laura Flynn Boyle, and uh, and it's like in this place called Red Rock West, and anyway, this whole thing. But it's kind of a different kind of role than you have seen him before, uh, seen him in before. And of course, you got the, the weird like guy in Moonstruck who's missing a hand and that sort of stuff. <laughs> um, going a little bit further, then we've got movies like. Um, and I'm looking at some of the older stuff he's done, right? So I'm not going to look at things like, you know, we've got Season of the Witch here, which I'm not going to touch on. But, um, so he was in, where is it at? Uh, and I'm also not going to touch on City of Angels. So let's talk about Vampire's Kiss, which in an interview he said is one of his favorite roles and one of his favorite yeah. characters was playing that and kind of delving into that character. Now, people that know Vampire's Kiss, they know that's where you get the Nicolas Cage mean from with the goofy face and stuff. Yeah, the big the big smile. Right. Because there's several ones with goofy faces. Right, right. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for, for specifying that, because that's correct. But yeah, the, the one where it's like his eyes, his eyebrows are raised way up, and he's got the big toothy grin. And he ate a live cockroach, a real cockroach in that movie, which was, I don't think they were... That was part of the plan. He just did it. <laughs> he just did it. Um, kind of like Divine eating the dog poop yes. in Pink Flamingos. Well, I, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, if you know, the uh, John Waters was like, hey, I'm just going to eat some dog poop here. Are you down with that? And he's like, yeah, dog poop, whatever. <laughs> From sure. what I understand, they were trying to figure out a way to simulate it. And they were like, okay, well, do we have anything that could, like, really make the dog poop look convincing? And she just, like, stoops down and picks it up. She's like, no, I'll just eat it. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Actually. Yeah, Divine was down for a lot of stuff. Yeah, uh, but uh, you know, Vampire's Kiss was like a really bad movie. I remember it really getting panned. You know, <laughs> at the time it came out, we we're kind of hearing about it later. And uh, but you know, he's one of the characters he says he really enjoys. Um, but you take a go from that to, like I said, Raising Arizona, Wild at Heart, Leaving Las Vegas. These are very risky characters. Oh yeah, Valley Girl. So he's not one of these actors that goes for the what you would consider to be the more traditional roles. He's comfortable, and I would even maybe say that he enjoys playing some of these characters that are just a, a lot more like ish, detached from your from what you would consider to be your your regular like yeah. world and sense of like you know of uh, 
normality. Yeah, he's like for for being such an iconic actor, he's not really he's not really a character actor, you know? Like mm-hmm. um like you know, Jim Carrey plays very specific characters. He he either plays crazy Jim Carrey or he plays like really weight of the world on his shoulders Jim Carrey. That's that's it. That's the two things you're going to see out of Jim Carrey. Right. You're you're either going to get Ace Ventura or you're going to get like Truman Show Jim Carrey or the number 23 Jim Carrey. Right. And, like, Nick Cage, you can see him in pretty much anything. He's he's here in Left Behind, and it's, you know, okay, well, here here he is in Christian cinema, cinema and, uh, you know, here he is as an assassin, here he is as a police detective. You're, you're going to see pretty much anything. You know, he's, he's a freaking superhero in Kick-Ass. Yeah, like, Big Daddy. Nothing is off the table for Nick Cage, and that's awesome to me. Because, like, there's not a lot of actors that are going to be willing to... Just cross any line at all. Oh, I didn't realize there was an unrated version of Wicker Man. Oh, Hot yeah. Damn. <laughs> yeah, the, the the girl makes two more appearances where she's, like, drowning. Oh, sweet. Yeah. What the hell are we doing <laughs> making this podcast? Let's watch it. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, and I mean, like, jeez, I've, I've only seen a drop in the bucket of Cage's films. I really have. Like, there's there's not nearly enough of what I've seen. But, my gosh, I've loved pretty much everything I've ever seen him in. Well, so what I'll say about him, and kind of going back to this, is we know what he's capable of because we've seen it. You know, yeah. leaving Las Vegas, you win the Academy Award. We've seen what he's capable of. Con Air and, was brilliant. Huh? Con Air. Oh, dude, I love Con Air. Brilliant, yeah. brilliant movie. Um, <laughs> but uh, I tried to watch Bringing Out the Dead because it is a Scorsese film and stuff. It was hard to watch and hard to understand. Um, but again, you're talking about another non-conventional character. Right. Adaptation, which is also a very good movie, another non-conventional character. I think he really likes kind of playing those kind of roles because it allows him to to just to, I guess, maybe really be a lot freer yeah. than if I'm going to play something that's a little bit more like down to earth or whatever, where I can't be as... I have to be a little bit more restrained. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, Guarding Tess, I've seen, and actually, I wasn't huge on that film, I'll be honest. Yeah. But uh, I think I wasn't in the right, like, mindset for that. You know, some movies you just got to be in the right mindset for. Yeah. Um, 8mm, which is just a weird movie. I'll tell you this about 8mm. If you were going to watch that, and I'm not saying anything bad about Nicolas Cage, but <laughs> I would I would say that if you're going to watch a movie like that, Watch hardcore with George C. Scott from the seventies, mm-hmm. as opposed to Eight Millimeter. Yeah. So if you're not familiar, if you don't know Eight Millimeter is, this woman's husband dies. She finds this reel to reel. She calls this guy who's a detective. She shows him the reel to reel. It's a snuff film, and she says, "I found some of my husband's possessions. Right. I wanted. I just need to know if this is real or not. Hmm. Did you know? Was my husband? You know." Was he a good person or did he pay or somehow participate in a snuff film? And so he goes down this big rabbit hole or whatever, trying to figure out what happened, if it's real and whatever. Hardcore with George C. Scott from the 70s um, is based about a guy whose daughter is on a school field trip and she disappears. Hmm. And he later finds her. Now, of course, this is in the 70s, so we didn't have any internet or anything like that, right? Well, we had internet, but it wasn't being used by us because right. the government had to have it. <laughs> but, um, but no, um, 
uh, I think with at that at that point it was only being used by what two universities to pass data back and forth, be like you know, yeah, something like that. Um, but anyway, uh, so he ends up finding out while he's trying to find his daughter, whatever, find out what happened to her. He ends up finding this, uh, I guess, uh, uh, thirty-five millimeter or um, I keep saying reel to reel, which is for audio, but thirty-five millimeter or like a it was before VHS, so it has to be that. Yeah, of his daughter um, participating in in an adult film. Hmm. Now this girl is like sixteen years old, and so he sets off on this journey to find her and to rescue her from these these basically you know you know white slavers, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna tell you right now, the movie when you get to the end is a complete punch in the gut. I'm not gonna tell you what happens, mm. but it's like if somebody punched you in the gut and kicked you in the nuts at the same time, <laughs> and it's like the pain is all right there in your lower abdomen, right. but you're like I I don't know which one and. <laughs> I'm not saying it's a great movie, but but if you're looking at like something like eight millimeter, yeah, I would say hardcore is a much better film about kind of a similar subject, yeah, or whatever. But again, I'd like to watch them both. <laughs> going back, going back to eight millimeter though, you're talking about a non-conventional character, which I think is what he really likes and what he thrives on. Yeah, I think that's what he does best in really. And you know, we we've got a, a sharp decline in Nicolas Cage stuff. And I think that all kind of goes back to, um, you know, his um, his financial troubles and stuff. And, I mean, the guy lost a fucking Action Comics number one. Yeah, that's I mean, crazy. That, I mean, that would kill anybody, that's, to be honest. That's $2 million right now. Last one that sold on auction was $2 million. And I'm, I, have not doing, I'm not, I haven't done any research on this. I'm not going to look it up right now. But if I remember the story correctly, somebody stole, like, a bunch of his comics. So he had a huge comic collection. Um, if I remember correctly, right, Nicolas Cage has a, a Ghost Rider tattoo on his arm <laughs> that he had to cover up for the movie Ghost Rider. <laughs> um, Nicolas Cage, as most people already know, his real name is Nicolas Coppola. He's the nephew of Francis Ford Coppola, who got me with some of his earliest films were in Coppola movies like Rumblefish and stuff like that. Yeah. Who then, after like two or three films, changed his name to Nicolas Cage. So... He would kind of disassociate himself from that when Hollywood, obviously, you really haven't disassociated yourself, but then could kind of like make his way using his own name. Yeah. And of course, he took the name Nicolas Cage from the character Luke Cage, right? Because he was a big Luke Cage fan. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, that right there, that's that that earns my place in my heart. Yeah, it's that, never going to go anywhere. That tells you that we would get along with great with him. <laughs> Um, so, but Nick Cage, come on the show and just hang out with us <laughs> and we can watch some of your movies and talk yeah. about it. We're talking about it. No big whoop. So, um, so anyway, I think when he lost his, his combo collection was stolen, including like action comics, number one and all that. And of course Jeez. he's a huge Superman fan because he did name his son Kal-El, right? <laughs> um, that he did. He named his son Kal-El. That's pretty amazing. Um, and then the insurance money paid off, but then the police recovered the books if our if I remember correctly, but since he'd already been paid off for the books, he couldn't get them back. Oh, that's bullshit. And, um, and then he, getting shafted. he had some other financial troubles or whatever. And he had to sell off his properties and stuff. And then at that point is when he kind of like, as I understand it, right. And I could be completely wrong. If he wants to come on the show and clear his name by all means. Um, but as I understand it, he then started taking, these kind of lower budget movies, one, because he wasn't getting the more high profile ones anymore anyway. That's just the nature of Hollywood. Yeah. And two, he had bills to pay. Yeah. You know? And Which in, is totally fair. Yeah. Um, so 
But I still think that, you know, going back to like Jane Silent Bob Strike Back, you do the safe picture and then you do, you know, like the the like the blockbuster, the safe right. picture and the blockbuster. And so I think he kind of chooses like it may be a low budget movie, but I can do a low budget, you know, movie with a good plot. I can do one that's just going to pay the bills. Right. You right. know, and uh, so, I mean, I'm not going to begrudge him for that. And the guy... and. and at the end of the day, the guy is still doing what he loves, even if he doesn't love the particular project he's working on, yeah, right? Yeah. He's still doing what he loves. Yeah, um, I, I think for Cage, it's like the joy of acting in and of itself. It's not necessarily the finished product. Yeah. If that uh, makes any sense. I think he just likes being in front of the camera and doing what he does. Yeah. And yeah, and I think he's 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 starting to turn more into like a William Shatner version of Nick Cage, where it's like, <laughs> I'm gonna play Instead of me playing this character, I'm going to play Nick Cage playing this character. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, which hints like the crazy facial expressions and all that. Yeah. Which, hey, that's cool with me. <laughs> you do you, man. Go for it. But I think when someone offers him the, you know, as when you start to do that, more people come to you and ask you to do that. Just like any other thing. Um, what's the guy's name? Alexander Nick. I can't remember. Anyway, but the guy from Die Hard, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, who played was it uh, Carl? Um, and because you know he kills Carl's brother and stuff like that, and, uh, and so Carl wants him. Alexander Goodenough, right? Okay, yeah. Um, he played an Amish guy in Witness and stuff. After Die Hard, he was offered tons of movie roles playing basically that Die Hard villain. Yeah, and he didn't want to do that. And if I remember correctly, Alexander Goodenough was a ballet dancer or studied ballet or whatever, right? <laughs> So when you see his fight scenes and everything, they're really kind of based off of like you know. He probably only learned to dance like that so we can make fun of those kids. Yeah, probably. And I, I mean, <laughs> and honestly, <laughs> who would blame him, right? <laughs> so he was offered a base a lot of roles. He didn't take those, and he kind of took some other stuff. But when you get when you get to a certain point, you get offered a lot of like roles. We want you to play this exact same character that you've played before. Yeah. And sometimes that can be kind of hard to turn down. And you find yourself <laughs> in a position, <laughs> right. You find yourself in a position where that's all you ever do is play this same kind of character. And, and you know, when, when roles start to dry up, not because you're not a great actor or anything else, but when roles start to dry up because, you know, fresh faces pop up in Hollywood all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, if you really want to stay, you know, in the business and you want to make money and, you know, have a life and somewhat of a career, you, you do kind of have to step back and say, I'm not this A-lister anymore. I'm not this B-lister. I may be able to do a couple of things there and there to shine, but I've got to accept where I am. And maybe I can get back to where I, I was before or something close to it. So, I mean, I think that's probably where Nicolas Cage is. Yeah. But, yeah. He, but he's still having fun doing what he's doing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like most of the Nick Cage movies I've seen that like he's enjoyed the role. So as I'm going through here and I'm looking at all these like these uh, movies here that you know have Nick Cage in it that are available, you notice that this theme all the movie poster where he's just standing there looking at you with this kind of slightly dead eyed look. <laughs> yeah. So so like, look ahead. at look oh. at Family Man between the worlds and then Trapped in Paradise. He's right there in the center, yep. arms down by his side, just staring at you. <laughs> No real look on his face or whatever, just staring at you. Yeah, I don't know how much of that's Nick Cage and how much of that's just a shitty graphic designer, though. Right, but if you look at how many of them like are like that, it's just like just Nick Cage just looking at you with that Nick Cage look. Oh, yeah, it's it's a very Nick Cage facial expression. Uh, City of Angels, I won't watch. And I'm going <laughs> to tell you guys right now, if you want to watch City of Angels, don't. 
Go watch Wings of Desire, the Vim Vendor movie that City of Angels is basically a remake of. It's much better. <laughs> much, much better. I watched that in film class. Um, it's black and white. And of course, it is subtitled, right? But watch Wings of Desire. Do not watch City of Angels because that's a piece of shit movie. <laughs> Even though it, uh, and plus, City of Angels is the, is the reason why we have the shitty version of, uh, the Gin Blossoms instead of the good version of, uh, I'm sorry, the Gin Blossoms, the Goo Goo Dolls. Instead of the uh. good version of the Goo Goo Dolls, you know, which, with like a boy named Goo, we get the fucking, like, you know, Iris and all that kind of, that kind of stuff. And, you know, <laughs> it, yeah, that's because of City of Angels. They did that song that blew up and they're like, hey, we can sell out. And I have no problem with somebody selling out, right? I would I, sell in a heartbeat. I have no problem with somebody selling out, but I'm just like, if you sell out, you have to understand that this was the kind of music that you made that I liked, mm-hmm. and now you make this other kind of music, which I don't like. It's not because I don't like you making it. I just don't like that kind of music. <laughs> so when you switch over to that, like, you know, a la Taylor Swift, right? Which, no. I mean, I didn't like her country shit. I don't like her pop shit either, right? <laughs> I'm not saying that it's bad or it's good or whatever. I'm just saying I don't like it, right? Right. But when you switch from one to the other, you can't expect me to follow you over there, you know? So Well, yeah. I mean, as far as Taylor Swift goes, I think that was actually a pretty good career move on her part. It, it was. It, it was. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing. And I thought, I thought her reason for it was actually pretty good, which, I mean, that's not like I follow Taylor Swift religiously or anything, but, like, when they asked her why she made the shift from country to pop, she, she said, if you try to chase two rabbits, you're not going to catch either of them, which actually makes a lot of sense. That, that that that's like, a really interesting way of saying things. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. which is very country, but it's, it's it's a really good analogy. It's like you you can't successfully pursue a country career and a pop career. But I would say though that the 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 truth of that is that because she really wasn't singing country at all, what she was doing <laughs> was singing country pop. Well, yeah. So, but but yeah. So Nicolas Cage is awesome. So. We've got a lot of them. So, and I'm just pulling stuff on, on that as we're talking about him. I've just had this up on my, my cable thing here, just looking at all the movies that are, you know, available in one platform or another. Most of them we have to like rent. Um, but um, one movie, obviously, that's not on here, um, and of course will never be on here, <laughs> um, which I'm, j- I don't say I'm just recently hearing about it, right? Um, but I'm recently learning more about it is uh, Bottomless Mirror. Oh, yeah. So, and I think you probably, because you're more of a Nicolas Cage fan than I am, I think you know more about Bottomless Mirror than I do. Um, and I will say this. So, you know, obviously, with with what we do back and forth, I've been going to cons and everything longer than you have. And um, and that's, I'm not like bragging or anything. Like, I've been going to cons longer than you have. <laughs> um, but hey, just, well, look at me. <laughs> I'm Dark 182. <laughs> I go to all the cons. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm glad, <laughs> glad somebody knows this. Uh, but um, I actually... Uh, a friend of mine got a copy of this movie. Yeah. And I'm not, I can't remember if I watched it all or if I watched part of it. Or maybe, maybe I haven't even watched any of it. Because it's been a long, long time. This is when I was much younger, too. Oh, yeah. Um, but a movie called uh, Bottomless Mirror and... And I'm going to let you take over for part of this, too, because, you, like I said, you can tell me a little bit more about it. Well, yeah. um, but uh, it's a Nicolas Cage movie that was made and never came out. Yeah. And it's only available, like, I think it's, if you can find it, you can torrent it. 
And well, yeah, that's the thing. It's like I've been on all the torrent sites and I haven't been able to find it yet, but I don't know. There, there was like one really obscure torrent site that had it, but there was nobody seeding it. So I, I don't know. I'm still trying to find a copy to, to like really be sure. I said, a friend of mine got a copy at a, um, and I don't even know. It's just one of those things where, you know, you're looking at like, they, they don't claim they're bootlegs, right? Right. Because you're not allowed to say bootleg stuff there. But, you mean, you go to places like, this has never been released on anything, but you have the complete season, but you're telling me it's not bootleg? Right. Oh, okay. I'm not going to question. I'm not a narc, right? You know? <laughs> I just... My, my thing is, if you tell me it's not bootleg, it's genuine, but I know it's never come out on anything, but yet you want 40 bucks for it. I'm like, uh, I know it costs you like five bucks, you know, yeah. <laughs> which is like, like one dollar for the disc and then like, you know, like four dollars in electricity to burn it. Um, anyway, uh, but yeah, but, no, like, I mean, I've, I've read about it. I've read like some articles and stuff on it. And I mean, it seems, it seems really interesting. But apparently it was like sort of a sci-fi horror drama type thing that he did, and it was like mid '80s, I think. Uh, shit, what did your friend say? Was it like 1985? I think. I think it's something like that because it's, it's like '84, '85, something like that. Because he got it on VHS. Okay. Um, so it, yeah, because this was at the time. This was before, like I said, this was a long time ago. So this was before. Um, like DVDs and stuff like that were, yeah, were yeah. really prominent, and that was another thing too. Having on VHS, I don't even think he has a copy of it anymore. Oh wow! Yeah. I mean, because I mean, it was a bootleg VHS. He he doesn't even have a VHS player anymore. Well, yeah, Why like, would he, who, who keeps VHSs? Right. But I, it was like I think at the time that he got this, he got a copy of the Roger Corman Fantastic Four movie, the Justice League TV pilot. Which of course none of this stuff was ever released. It was only available through bootleg, which is which normally was like you know a copy of a copy. It wasn't right. coming straight from like the master source, like extremely degraded. Right. You know. So I mean, you're like, I mean, for those of you who've never messed with VHS before, it's like tracking, tracking, <laughs> tracking. Oh god, you know? yeah, the tracking. Yeah. But yeah, like I read about it. Um, it was some. It was some forum that I wasn't a member of. It wasn't Reddit. It was some kind of forum, and like apparently one guy was saying that it was like based off of a short story. Uh, some some kind of like a sci-fi story. Um, shit, what was it called? Um, I think it was called uh, I See Me, I See You, or something like that. Okay, I've never, never heard of it. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, but I mean, it's a short story, so it's not like right, I'm going to yeah. know every short story that's out there. Yeah, I mean, like, apparently it was put out in, like, Omni Magazine or something like that. So just some, some like, anthology mag or something. So yeah, I I really I I really don't know, but I mean, it seems like such an interesting movie. I really hope I can track it down, and I really hope people start like seeding it. You know, I mean, apparently it only had like one seeder or something a while back, but I mean, I just I really hope that the torrent turns up because you know, hey, I'll, I'll say it. I use Pirate Bay. I don't mind, but uh, yeah, apparently it's about like this this guy who can travel to like, a mirror world or, like, this alternate dimension, this alternate version of the world. And, like, he does it by being able to, like, put a mirror in front of another mirror. And, you know, like, I, I know I tried that when I was a kid because, you, know, you, you know, you see that and it's like the reflection bounces off the reflection and back and forth and back and forth and it sort of makes it look like this bottomless hole. Yeah, I mean, like, when I would uh, go, with, like, get my hair cut or whatever, you know, when... The, the barber chairs turn a certain way, and if there's another barber on the opposite side, it yeah. creates that, that huge, like, reflective tunnel, and it just keeps traveling to, you know, infinite. Yeah, yeah. So, like, apparently, 
apparently, like, as long as you've got the right kind of mirrors and they're, like, built properly and all that, then you can hold the two mirrors up and it makes this full reflection, so it's basically just this bottomless pit. And, um, like, so, so doing that, it opens a door to the mirror worlds, and so, uh, Nick Cage's character is, like, supposedly, like, messing around with mirrors and, and enters into the mirror world by doing that. And uh, once he enters into it, he sees reflection of himself, and and it just it like gets really trippy from there. And like apparently, there's this whole thing with like you know evil doppelgangers and all kinds of crazy shit, which it's kind of funny with that because you know we're just seeing these trailers for us or whatever it is, which looks like it'll be scary as shit. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Which, which, yeah, we're gonna we talk about doppelgangers because you know we just saw the trailer for for us and um and you know, we were was was something else we were watching and talking about today that had a a double or doppelganger in it and you know it was like we we're, were gonna kind of talk about doppelgangers because that I had a question I was like would you so but we have, we have, we'll we'll yeah, yeah. follow that up um next but so um so yeah like I said I don't really know if. If I've seen Bottomless Mirror, like part of me feels like I've seen it, but then it may just be that my friend told me about it, or like, maybe I read a little bit about it. Because if I remember, well, like maybe you've maybe you've like seen it on cable years ago or something when you were a kid and just aren't remembering it. I don't know if it ever came on cable because oh yeah, well yeah, you just said it wasn't released. Because um, you know movies like if you get if any of you ever seen the uh, Fantastic Four documentary um, where it's like. They made the Fantastic Four just so they could hold on to the rights of it, but they never intended for it to be released at all, even though the actors and everybody else didn't know that, but it was never supposed to be made. I mean, it should be released, in which they do that sometimes. Yeah. If uh, I'm not sure how many people out there know about this, but there's what they called a, a Hollywood, it used to be called, I don't know if they still call that now, but there's a Hollywood blacklist or, uh, or black scripts or something like that. And the movie Cop Out was one of those, which, I mean, Cop Out, I don't really understand how that made it onto that because that's not a great movie at all. There's some enjoyable scenes in it, but it's a pretty shitty movie overall. But anyway, but basically, there's a list uh, of like all these scripts that studios will buy up because they don't plan on making it. They don't think it's that they don't think it's a good movie, but they don't want any other studio to have it either and possibly make money off of. So they will buy up these scripts and just let them sit. And there's like, these are some of the best scripts that, you know, have never, have, would never go anywhere. Cop Out was apparently one of those. <laughs> and, uh, and then you have movies that, so you have these movies sometimes that are made just so you can hold onto the property until you can find the right creative team or the right avenue to take it with. Yeah. But when you license a property, you can only have it for so long. And I think, and it renews every time you make a movie with it, right? Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if, if Bottomless Mirror was one of those like Fantastic Four. Or whatever, but um, but it's one of those that was made and never released. You know, you know, sometimes there was a shit. What's that movie all about? Steve. Yeah, you know that. I mean, um, I, I know of it. Uh, I feel like that's one I saw when I was younger and just don't remember super well. No, no. So this is actually a newer movie. So you probably might be confused. Oh uh, yeah, that yeah, maybe so. So all about Steve is this I, movie. I must have been thinking about what about Bob? Oh, okay. <laughs> all about Steve is a movie with Sandra Bullock and uh, Bradley Cooper. Okay. And apparently it was one of those movies that just sucked, right? And I think even when it came out in theaters, it sucked. The studio never had any plans on releasing it until Bradley Cooper became huge with the, um, uh, what's that, uh, that bachelor party movie trilogy shit um, hangover. Oh, right? hangover. Yeah. When the hangover like blew up and everything, they were like, Oh, 
let's go ahead and release this and capitalize on the Bradley Cooper fame. But other than that, they had no plan to release it at all because it was a bad movie. Right. And so a lot of times movies would get made, you know, for whatever reason, of like, this is a bad movie and we're not going to release it unless they find the proper avenue. Um, The movie Midnight Meat Train, based off of a Clive Barker book. And so it's got um, also another Bradley Cooper. If you guys ever watch uh, Silver Linings Playbook, there's a small nod to it because in one scene when he and Jennifer Lawrence go to the diner to have beer, coffee, drinks, whatever it is, right? Yeah. They pass by a theater which is showing Midnight Meat Train. Huh. But it was uh, Vinnie Jones, Bradley Cooper, based off a of Clive Barker uh, not story or whatever. And, uh, and I'm not even sure if it was directed by Clive Barker. But anyway, contractually, they had to release the movie in theaters. Huh. So in order to meet the contract, right, they showed it for one week in discount theaters. I remember it popped up at the Dollar Theater here when we still had a Dollar Theater. <laughs> it was there for one week and it was gone. Wow. And then, other than that, they had no plans on releasing it at all. And probably wouldn't have had it not been for that. And then, of course, you can find it on cable and things like that. So, you know, there's a lot of weird stuff that happens with Hollywood movies and movies that they will say, you know, have been shelved and whatever, never be seen. Um, um, uh, crap, what's that asshole's name who I'd never liked? Anyway? Jerry Lewis. Oh, yeah. Jerry Lewis. Was it the day, the day the laughter died or whatever it is? Yeah, yeah. The clown it. Nazi Holocaust movie that he made? Yeah. That would never see the light of day. And he's like, no, that movie will never come out. So you have movies that are made and, and sometimes they're never intended to come out. Or as they're making it like, you know what? We can't just stop now, but we're never going to do anything with. And I think yeah. that's kind of what happened with Bottomless Mirror. It was one of those that just like, and you're never going to really see anything about it because it, you know, in the day, in the case of like the day, like the laughter died or whatever. So many people know about that movie that you can't not IMDb it. Right. But, right. um, but Bombless Mirror, I think is one of those that, you know, they don't have to IMDb it because nobody talks about it. Right. Yeah. Well, now, I mean, it was pretty much funded by the director himself, wasn't it? It was, it was kind of like this Robert Rodriguez-esque scene where he was trying to do an indie film with it. See, I... I vaguely remember stuff about it back when I was in um, back when I was in in high school or middle school, middle school. And I used to be I used to read like Fangoria magazine. And this was uh, middle school was roughly around the time that comic scene was still around. So people that don't remember comic scene magazine, comic scene magazine was basically kind of a Fangoria for comic books. Hmm. And they would always have in the back of a comic scene magazine, they would have like this two pages uh, sometimes less than that, they would say, here are all the movie properties that have been optioned that movies are coming out for. Oh, nice. And so I remember at one time there was like, there was an Avengers movie with Mel Gibson. I was like, what? An Avengers <laughs> with Mel Gibson? I was like, that's going to be the shit. Of course, it never came out. It yeah, never yeah. came out. Although it I actually see Mel Gibson making a good Nick Fury. Well, see, that's what I would think. Well, maybe not Nick Fury, but I would have thought the same thing. Yeah. No, 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 no. It was the Steed Mrs. Peel Avengers movie, which oh, was later no. released with Uma Thurman and Ray Fiennes and Sean Connery. Oh, no. So when I saw that, I'm thinking Avengers because I'm a big comic book geek, right? But right. no, they meant the other Avengers that I'd never oh, heard of that, before. that Avengers, yeah. <laughs> so you used to always see these things out there. Like, here's all these books that have been licensed and people that were attached to them and stuff. And then, of course, you never see anything ever happen because... Person would get attached to a project, and the project would fall through, a person oh, yeah. would leave, whatever. And you hear, even nowadays, you hear about movies that are coming out. It's like, you know, this movie's been in development for 10 years. A prime example, Jim and the Holograms. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, the guy sat there and was supposed to be working on that for 10 years, which I'm like, okay, if you spent 10 years working on Jim and the Holograms and this is what you come up with, 
you, you wrote a bad song, Petey. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you, actually, you wrote a bad fucking album. It wasn't just a one song. That whole album was shit. You lived a bad life, Petey. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, and so, so anyway, I, I just remember. So I, I remember vaguely in comic scene, and I couldn't even tell you which issue it was or whatever, that there was something about Bottomless Mirror, but I don't remember exactly, like, and I'm going to be honest here. At the time, I rarely bought an issue of Comic Scene. I would, a lot of times would just read it in like Walden's books. Right. Now, if, for people that don't understand, Walden's books was Barnes and Noble before Barnes and Noble became Amazon. Oh yeah. Right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> and don't even get me started on B. Dalton's. You guys are oh, like, how geez. old is this fucking guy? But <laughs> but um, I would a lot of times just read that in the back or just read the pers- the pages I wanted. So if it was something I was really interested in, I probably wouldn't read it unless I bought the bought the whole magazine. Yeah. There were a couple times I did like the Ninja Turtles one I bought and stuff like that. Oh, you yeah. know, of course it also you know relied on me having money at the time but I I vaguely remember something about Bottomless Mirror and it was like you know the troubles with Bottomless Mirror that kind of thing or whatever yeah well Um, I mean it was that actress that you like too isn't it uh, um, oh crap shit Uh, Sandy somebody uh, was it Sandy Lore Sugar um 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 Sandy was it Sandy Denise Turner or Sandy Laura Turner? That that sounds right. Sandy Turner sounds right. Yeah. So yeah, she was. Uh, and you say you like her, and I can't remember her name. But yeah, she was like. <laughs> so in you know when you look at the like, eighties movies, people normally gr- gravitate to someone like a um, like a Phoebe Cates or whatever. But yeah. I had this thing for for Sandy Turner and everything back in the eighties. But she never had like any huge roles. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't until later when I looked her up, you know, like sometimes you'll see something like, whatever happened to that person? You said that, you know, like you're kind of like, what do they look like now? Right. Yeah. Um, uh, and, uh, hold, and hold on. I'm, I'm doing a quick Google search here. Um, Sandy Turner, uh, Sandy Turner actress, I guess. Yeah. I mean, with it. And then I'm thinking, was it going to be like a Sandy Turner biologist? Or <laughs> anyway, yeah, go ahead. Probably. Okay. <laughs> was it Sandy Louise Turner? Yes. Okay. Okay. Damn. Sandy. Sandy L. Or Sandy Louise Turner. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know anything about this shit. Mm. Well, uh, I see she was in like a handful of '80s movies. Mainly, she was like one of those girls you would see in the background. So if you had like the main character and they would have like a friend, that would be like not the one, not the one she would see at the sleepover, but she'd be the one <laughs> to be like, you know, hey, I'm gonna go hang out with her, or whatever, and then you might see her. But I think that. If I think that as an actress, she was going to do more than just be like a background yeah, yeah. background character, or whatever. But I think her involvement with Bombless Mirror kind of curtailed a lot of that stuff because she was in a bunch. She was in a bunch of movies and then she just stopped. Hmm. Kind of like um, Gretchen Maul, right? Yeah, yeah. Gretchen Maul was this kind of up and coming actress. They talked about her a lot, and then she was in um, Rounders, and then just disappeared you know but then i'm gonna go back to my theory of like sacrificing someone to the hollywood gods yeah right so i think i've talked to you about this but i have this whole theory about whenever you have a movie that has a huge budget and has a bunch of a-listers right and it tanks one of those actors has to be sacrificed to the hollywood gods so that the other ones can continue on and yeah. make my mo- and make movies and if you think about it, if you go back and you look at one of those big budget movies that had a bunch of actors in it, right? And then, like, you know, it's like, oh, this movie's not doing too well, whatever. And then, you know, what? And it gets, you know, it tanks. 
One of those actors won't be seen for the longest time. Then they'll slowly start to make their way back up, but they'll never hit back up to like, you know, like movie quality. They may be like like high-end like TV series. Gretchen Maul is one of those. Hmm. She was in Rounders. Rounders had, you know, Matt Damon, Edward Norton, um, uh, John Malkovich in it, uh, Martin Landau, and uh, Famke Jansen is in it. I mean, so it has a lot of... Yeah, I don't think a lot of people consider Famke Jansen like a great actor, but they had a lot of people that you know, you know. Yeah. And Gretchen Maul was one of these people that was an up and coming person, but when the movie tanked, everybody else went on to continue on fine with their careers, right? Yeah. Except for her, she just kind of disappears. And if I'm telling you, if you look at it, if you find one of those big movies like that it has a bunch of like high end actors attached to it, and that movie bombs, one of those people will no longer will drop down into like a second tier. And everyone else can continue on as if nothing ever happened with their careers. But that other person is like, sorry, we got to let you go. Yeah. They'll eventually start to kind of make their way back into something suitable. Yeah. But yeah. they won't ever be big again. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I've seen a lot of verification for that theory of yours. So, yeah. So, and I think that's what happened to her. But, you know, in a in a 80s scale, like she was one of those up and comers. And then she just got caught up in this movie here. And then that just, that just dropped her like a bad habit. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, you never saw her again. And, you know. It's just like anything else in Hollywood, you know, there's a, you know, there's a new, you know, fresh face starving actor or actress, you know, just around, right around the corner. Why waste time trying to chase down somebody that you don't need to? Oh, yeah. Um, and we're talking about Nick Cage and Bottomless Mirror. So I, I'm going to have to look a little bit further. Um, I've got a lot of my old magazines still like um, that, you know, the, like my whole comic book collection. I'm going to look up and see if I can find that one, if it's one I own. I don't even, I don't, you know, everything's on the internet. So I'd have to look and see if there is a, some kind of archive of, uh, of, uh, comic scene or maybe even Starlog. I've rarely ever read Starlog magazine. Yeah. But that one I've heard of, but, um, maybe comic scene or Starlog and see if there's anything in, in that. Cause I did find a, um, I did find an archive online of old, uh, eerie magazines. Oh, nice. And they had it all laid out too. That's um, crazy. Yeah, you'll have to send me a link to that. So I'll have to, I'll have to see if I can find one of those and then like look a little bit deeper and see. And I'll talk to my friend and see. You know, he may still have his copy of that on VHS or whatever. Yeah, uh, and you know, I'll, I'll bum around some of the forums again and just see if I can find that forum posting. And if so, I'll, I'll get a membership on that site and ask some questions. Because I mean. It's just not even a matter that the movie just never came out. That that is like, why did it never come out or whatever? I'm just, it's a Nicolas Cage movie that we've never seen. Yeah. And it's yeah. an early Nick Cage movie, too. So we're not talking about the freak out Nick Cage. We're talking about the Nick Cage is still trying to, like, you know, like earn his acting bones, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's one of his, I, it may even been, and I don't want to say for a fact, but because of the time frame it's released, it may be one of the first films he did as Nick Cage and not Nick Coppola. Oh yeah, that's a good point. So, so I, I'll look into that and everything, kind of see. Well, I guess you'll do it too, and see if I can kind of find out anything more about what I remember about Bottomless Mirror. Yeah, and then yeah. maybe we can kind of come back and, and discuss a little bit more. Yeah, definitely. I'm sure we will re- revisit that uh, at a later date. So definitely stay tuned uh, for future podcast episodes because as soon as we find something out, I'm gonna want to do an episode on it. And if you guys know anything or know anybody has heard of it that may have seen it, that you can add anything to it, just let us know, you know. Oh, please do, yeah. Because, yeah, it's it's one of those things where I think the more you – because you and I have talked about it back and forth the past couple of weeks. And I think the more we talk about it now, it's starting to build up like I really got to find out about this or, or see it or something. 
not because we're now expecting to be a good movie or anything, but because we've talked about it so much and kind of thought about it so much. It's like, I just need, I need to close this chapter in my life. Good, <laughs> bad, or indifferent. I need to close this off and no longer have it be a mystery. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just want to see it because it's a Nick Cage movie. Of so, course. Yeah. Indeed. If I can track that down, that will be, you know, that will be a little like check on the wall for me. So, oh yeah, most deaf. But yeah, so um, I think I think we're gonna call it an episode for now. But yes, please reach out to us with information on this. We will keep you guys posted because this sounds like really too good to pass up, as far as I'm concerned. And and by the same token, if you guys have any have come or know of any or come across any of these kind of like obscure movies that you've like got bootlegs of or whatever that never came out were intended to come out and be something big or whatever and be like hey have you ever heard of this or did you know about this even sometimes if it's just something like a pilot um i'm just gonna toss it in at the last minute sure for you know i used to watch um a show um a forever forever night yeah um, yeah so forever night was a uh, a show it was a canadian show about a guy named nick knight who was a vampire who was also a cop and he worked the night shift right yeah um, and I watched Nick Knight for a long time. I mean, sorry, Forever Knight for a long time, right? It was a, it was a pretty good show, you know, for what it was, you know? Yeah. Um, Forever Knight is actually based off of, I'm sure it may have some other, like, uh, like origins or whatever, but it's based off of a two hour TV pilot starring Rick Springfield called Forever Knight, <laughs> which was the same thing, only it never took off. It then later got kind of like relaunched as Forever Knight, like maybe a decade later. Yeah. Okay. Right. But the original was Nick Knight, same premise, vampire cop, only he, <laughs> only, like, he had his huge, like, this, like, Cadillac or whatever, had this huge trunk, so in case he couldn't make it back to his house at night, he would get in the trunk of his car. That's awesome. And so, they, and so, and he was, a, and no one knew he was a vampire, yeah. right? His partners didn't know. And so, there's things like that that exist that a lot of people don't ever know, especially if it's a TV pile or something. They're never going to show that again on TV. Oh, yeah. It gets yeah. this one time showing and then it's gone. Yeah, absolutely. You know? So, yeah. I mean, if you Bottomless do. Mirror may be one of those. It may have been something that it was released as like a one time pilot or just like, we're just going to dump it on a network one day and never show it again. Oh, yeah. Maybe so, so. So, if you guys know of anything like that, I'd be interested in hearing or seeing that too. Um, but, yeah, but, but primarily, if you know anything about Bottomless Mirror, Right, or if you if you like recall singer, or even can even direct me to like whether it was Fangoria, Starlog, uh, comic scene, or what was that first one you mentioned? Um, the, um, the short story. Oh man, what Nova? Uh, what was it? Uh, Omni. It Omni. Was Omni. Yeah. yeah. Actually, they're actually relaunching Omni too. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. So, uh, so anyway, if you guys know of anything, yeah, please let us know. Yeah, please do. But yeah, well, um, we're going to call it an episode for now. And uh, yeah, def- definitely hit us up and uh, stay stay tuned for uh, more more podcasts. We've got some, we got some uh, pretty interesting stuff we're wanting to look at. Yep. All right, well. And uh, we've got some more less plays. And of course, we will be getting back into uh, to the Corova Game Bar, too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. All right, well, catch you guys later. Later. All right there, folks, that was Our Moms Think We're Funny. Let's, uh, let's give them a hand.